Welcome to the Sexy Selfish Podcast Series. I'm your host, Shona Gates. I'm a women's life coach, success strategist, and a self-proclaimed badass. And I'm here to help you rediscover your authentic self, stop delaying your happiness, and step into your truth. This podcast has been created to connect, inspire, and nurture mums who want more. Are you ready? Merry Christmas, bitches. <laughs> Today's episode's going to be a little bit more festive, and I hope in a way that feels really fucking good. Let's talk about my top money tips for the festive season. And this is going to be very different to your normal festive season money tips. We're not talking about budgeting. We're not talking about cutting back. We're not talking about like where to go and get a free dinner so you don't have to pay for Christmas dinner. Let's like step out of broke bitch scarcity mode and let's actually create a festive season that feels abundant and joyful. Before we dive into that, I've got to acknowledge the past broke bitch me because Christmas and November, December, around that time of year, always used to stress me out so much. And I'm talking not like, oh, oh my God, I'm so stressed. I'm so busy. I'm talking like anxiety, anxiety vomiting in the middle of the night kind of stress. And it was this underlying stress, this like subconscious stress where if someone asked me what's going on, I would just, I'd be like, oh, I don't know. Like I must've eaten something wrong for two months. I must have food poisoning. I must have a stomach upset. And it's like, no bitch, you're anxious, right? <laughs> it was that level of stress. And it's less so these days. Obviously my husband and I are both fully self-employed. So we rely on our three businesses to pay our mortgage and, you know, buy our kids Christmas presents and stuff. So it, it has a different level of stress now. Um, not the fear that it used to be, but we know Christmas is an interesting time where people in their businesses themselves, they're going away on holidays, they're doing different stuff, they're really busy, maybe their payroll offices on holidays for three weeks over Christmas. And so the invoice I've sent them sitting there in their inbox, not getting paid, <laughs> but I've been doing this long enough. I've been in business 10 years. I've been running Sexy Selfish five years with, this is our first Christmas with both of us being self-employed. So I know what to expect. Like December's an interesting time. I'm, December's always been some like some of my biggest months in cash sales, but in terms of invoicing, it can get a little bit messy and clunky. And my husband's business is based on invoicing. So it's a different kind of stress and acknowledgement. But for a long time, the festive season used to bring out literally the worst money guilt, the worst money fear, and the worst money shame for me. Because this is a time that should really be filled with joy and excitement and like that feeling when you're a kid when you're like anything's possible like it's fucking christmas anything is possible i could get that barbie car i could get a trampoline i could get a like a camera i could get anything santa's fucking incredible and christmas goes from being this expansive exciting thing when you're a kid to this like oh fuck experience as an adult and it should be joyful and we should be excited about watching our kids open their presents on Christmas day. But inside we're just filled with like, have I done enough? Have I done too much? <laughs> but mostly for me, it was always, have I done enough? It was just clouded with anxiety and guilt and fear. This time that should be so joyful. I would spend wondering 
if I'd bought too much or too little for the kids for Christmas, I would be stressing so bad that a family member got me an expensive gift and that I may not be able to give that gift in return. And my sister actually about 10 minutes before recording this podcast, which was already a pick topic for today, she must have picked up on the Christmas vibes and she messaged me. She's like, what do I get your husband for Christmas? And I'm like, I, I, I don't know how to answer that. Everything he wants is very expensive. <laughs> it's not like he wants a candle or any barbecue tongs. Like it, it's nothing like that. <laughs> He's like looking at fucking like 25 grand fishing boats for himself and, and Samsung Galaxy watches and all that amazing stuff. But that's not stuff you can put on your Christmas list as an adult to like send to your family members. You know what I mean? And so there was this even feeling of like, don't spend too much money. Don't spend any money on me. We're so good. Don't spend any money on me because like as much as I love giving gifts, I hate the expectation that I might not have met the financial like value of what you've given to me. I'm still, I'm going to work through that. I recognize that that's a broke bitch thing. I love giving gifts. I will spend so much money on all my family members and friends and probably go super overboard. Um, But I do still worry about like not matching things because there was obviously a time in my life where I was giving handmade gifts. I was a new stay at home mom with a baby and a husband who was a mechanic apprentice. So to give you a rough guide, like he started on $6 an hour. I think at that point he was on maybe $12 or $14 an hour, but not much with a mortgage and a baby. So I was making like jars of hot chocolate mix and, um, you know, homemade little things like that. And then my sister and my family were obviously in a really great financial position and they were spoiling my baby. And I just like felt like shit about myself. (laughs) So there's still some stuff I got to work on there. I will do it. I will address it. I will journal on it. I'm a human peeling back the layers of my onion self, just like the rest of you are on this podcast. I'm not some magical person who's got everything figured out. But this was fucking stressful. Christmas was stressful. I would feel so freaked out and feel guilty if anyone gave me any money for Christmas. Because part of me so badly when you're a responsible elder child as a kid, you learn to like not ask for money. Don't ask for things your parents can't afford. As an older child, you've got like this hyper vigilance and hyper responsibility. You know, I've recognized that now. It's something I want to make sure that I break the cycle for my son with. He's just naturally more responsible and I I hate that. (laughs) I'm like, just go live, go be a kid, go fuck things up, right? I would feel so guilty if someone gave me any money for Christmas because part of me wanted to spend it so badly. I just wanted to be like, treat yourself, bitch. You don't get anything else in life. Life is hard right now. You're like walking everywhere with the pram because you can't afford to put petrol in your car, but someone's giving you $100 in a card. Like, go get a facial. You deserve it. I wanted to treat myself because it's a gift. After all, it's unexpected money. But the responsible part of me, I would always guilt myself into paying bills with it. Classic example of scarcity mindset and just shame, just layers of shame there. And it would be the eight different family Christmas events. I'm lucky now we've kind of reduced that and we do my husband's side of the Christmas a couple of weeks before Christmas. It's great. It's so much fun. We don't do Christmas presents um, between like the brothers-in-law, <laughs> my nieces and nephews. Um, you know, that was our decision as a family. We've got very different income brackets within that family um, dynamic. So it was just like it, the grandparents buy gifts for the kids And we always get something nice to the grandparents and we just spend the day together and it's really special. And then we do my side of the family later around Christmas. And then we try to see extended family over New Year's and stuff. But anyway, back then I would freak out because yeah, like there was eight different family Christmas events and you, everyone has to bring a dish. Everyone has to bring the food. You have to bring 
alcohol. You like bring a bottle of wine. <laughs> alcohol for us to drink over Christmas because it's celebrations and work shows and this and that. And then not to mention extra travel and fuel to get to all these separate events. And it was kind of like I knew what our grocery budget and our weekly fuel budget looked like throughout the year. And so then it would come to the week before Christmas, two weeks before Christmas. And suddenly that grocery and fuel budget would just blow out of control. It would just, you know, it's insane. You know, you do the Christmas shop. But then this is the thing, like as a kid doing the Christmas food shop, was incredible. I used to love this day. I used to love this day. My sister and I and my mum and my dad and we'd all go together and we'd drive down to Woolies and it would be a summer day in the heat and I'd usually have like a nice summer dress on. It wouldn't be school uniform and it's hailing. If you can hear that in the background right now, it's just going to get really loud. We would go to Woolworths and we would buy all the Christmas stuff like the ham and the turkey and the brandy baskets and the prawns and all the stuff you didn't get to eat throughout the year, you would get to do in the Christmas food shop. And it was so fun. And it was just this amazing day. I always loved this day. Even though my parents were like, this is horrible. We don't want to do this with two kids in the shop. This is awful. We had a great time. I'm going to have to pause because of the hail. We're going to come back to this. Okay. I'm in the zone. I want to keep going. Hopefully the hail stays away now. <laughs> But seeing our weekly grocery and fuel budget blow out, I would feel so out of control. I would feel so overwhelmed. And then the shame would come in. The shame for not managing things better. The guilt for not being more in control. And seeing our bank account like diminish dramatically over the Christmas period, I would freak out. And I would enter this feast, famine, punishment cycle with money. And my New Year's goal, every single New Year's, <laughs> be like, lose weight. Because back then I thought I was massive. And I look back now and I'm like, you dumb bitch. <laughs> You're so fucking tiny. Oh my God. Anyway, the goal would be to lose weight and to get my money shit together this year or spend less and save more. And it would just, I would always start this way and I would never finish the way I wanted to. It was just the feeling of being a failure time and time again, when no matter what I tried, it just didn't seem to work. Looking back now, it's, it's almost comical to just watch me over my life have just repeated this pattern again and again and again. But trust me when I say I felt it all. I used to be so mean to myself about money and all my perceived failings around it because somehow I've looked at everyone else and went, they've got it together. They're not feeling the way I am. No one else is panicking like this. Everyone else has got their shit together. Why can't I do it? And that's not really how we should be spending this time of the year, which is all about family and connection and gratitude, all that type of stuff. So anyway, I spent the last five years gently and slowly rewiring my belief systems around money. I'm not going to say that everything's fixed. There's still work to do. There is always going to be work to do. That's personal growth. Isn't some start and finish line where you, you know, put the, the mark on it and you're like, oh, I'm done now. I'm so like aligned and actualized that I never have to think about anything again. It's a constant, ever-evolving ever process, right? So I've been slowly rewiring my belief systems about money and my expectations around festive spending. Over the years, I noticed that if I, you know, it didn't matter if I was earning a lot or a little. It didn't matter if I was spending $80 on presents or $800. This time of year always triggered my money issues in a huge way. And that's when I realized all the Christmas budgeting tips and save $10,000 in 52 weeks, 
all that shit wasn't actually making a difference. How much money I made didn't actually make a difference. It wasn't like once I'm so rich, Christmas is going to be fun again. It's like, no, 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 no. You look at the Kardashians, they're so rich. They have these amazing Christmas parties. There's still drama. There's still bullshit. There's still anxiety. Their life isn't perfect because they can afford a new Christmas tree. All right. This time of year always triggered my money issues in a massive way, but it was energy. It was my mindset and it wasn't up to my husband to get a better job. It wasn't up to my family to buy less expensive presents. So I had to buy less expensive, less expensive presents back. It was mindset and it was up to me to change the way I perceive this time of year, just like it's up to you. So here is what I know to be true for me now. I know that money is my friend and my ally. It supports me and allows, you know, incredible opportunities and choices in my life. I know that money flows into my life in expected and unexpected ways. In fact, this week I got an email from an old company doing work like stating that they had a thousand dollars for me in back pay like i haven't logged an hour there since 2019 right this is for an old company i used to do some work for this shit works guys and they're like oh by the way (laughs) this is what you need so money comes in in expected and unexpected ways i know now after tracking my money for the last five years in a healthy nurturing supportive way which i teach in abundant as fuck if you want to learn more about that I know that some days and some weeks and some months and some seasons, we spend more than average. Like my life is not average. Who wants an average life? No one. So why do I expect an average week to be every week, like for every week to be average? No one just wants to be like, oh God, my goal is to just have such an average life and fit my average life into my average week and my average budget. No, that's not fun. That's not sexy for anyone. And some seasons we spend less than average. That is also okay. I now deeply know that while fancy color coded (laughs) weekly budgets make sense in theory, the reality is actually like life is a lot messier. And after tracking and paying attention to my money over the years, I now know that there are ebbs and flows in bank accounts. There are peaks and troughs. And sometimes there is a lot and sometimes there is a little, but I always trust that I can make and attract as much as I desire. I know with 100% certainty that whatever I spend and release comes back to me. It always does. Like just full faith this, whatever you spend will come back to you tenfold. I used to roll my eyes at this belief, but honestly, after like five to seven years of practicing it, I know it's true. I've seen the evidence of it time and time again, and this will be the hill that I die on, right? So let's dive in to my actual reality-based money tips for the festive season. Okay, first one, release the pressure to draw within the lines. I'm going to say it again for the people in the cheap seats at the back. Release the pressure to draw within the lines. P.S. Nothing wrong with cheap sheets, uh, cheap seats. I just got cheap seats to the basketball knowing I'm right up the top near the fire escape, but that the view is awesome still. So nothing wrong with cheap seats. Release the pressure to draw within the lines for this season. Sometimes this time of year is just super social. There's gatherings, extra expenditures that may not happen throughout the rest of the year. You know, of course, we're going to go out and do more in summer when the weather's beautiful than we do in winter. In winter, we're stuck at home with nothing to do. So we watch Netflix and we drink the nice scotch and we just get cozy. 
But in summer, we want to go out. We want to enjoy our life. We want to see people. There's gatherings and things like that that doesn't happen all throughout the rest of the year. This is okay. Peaks and troughs, remember? Just call intention to it and take some time in January to evaluate the extra expenditure from the festive season. And is there a way you can put some money aside through the year over the next 12 months to prepare for this time of life? So my son's going to high school. Oh my God, I don't really want to say that. I don't want to say that. In 2024, he starts high school. Uh, No, 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 no. I'm so not ready to say that sentence out loud. For the last two years, I've been putting a little bit of money away into an account every single week. Because I know the first year of high school, you've got uniforms, there's school camp, he's got to get a new laptop. There's all the stuff that happens and I don't want stress and anxiety around that type of stuff to cloud a really important time in his life. So I'm putting away this little bit of money knowing that that's coming up and there should be more than enough kitty to make his first year, year seven and eight, really, really fun. Okay, we're moving on because I don't want to talk or acknowledge that anymore right now. (laughs) But is there a way that you can kind of prepare for this? Like just, just be curious about it. Don't put shame and guilt and all that shit onto it. Just be like, I'm, I'm curious to see um, how much we spend during this festive season. And then, you know, I'm going to make a plan. To, so what, what is that over what our average bank account is? And I'm going to make a plan to like, you know, put something aside for the next 12 months. If you come at it from this space of curiosity and, oh, I wonder, then you're much more likely to actually sit down and take that action and look at the numbers and plan for next year. Whereas if you're just layering guilt and shame and fear and anxiety on top of it, you don't want to look at that. No one wants to pay attention to that. We just want to ignore that and move on. And then chances are we're going to end up in that same place 12 months from there. So come at it from a space of curiosity, right? I'm so curious to see how this plays out and that I can use that information to then prepare for this season again next year. All right, my tip number two, time is money too. And I mean this in both ways. Because you can give your time as a gift to people, right? If you feel called to. So my sister gifted a day out with my son for his birthday. My sister and my um, son, that that uh, nephew and auntie relationship is very, very special for them. And he doesn't get to see her very often because she lives about two and a half hours away from us. So he, she gifted her time, she, a day out with my son for, this, for his birthday. I think it was his birthday. It was very close to Christmas last year. So it was kind of a combined present. And they loved it. They played basketball. They went to the park together. It was really, really special. He still talks about it all the time. But also, this is the flip side to this, your time is money. Often a lot of the present buying stress comes from the days we have to set aside the travel we have to do and the stress that comes from trudging around the shops with everyone else to do this. The time is a cost too. The stress is a cost. So maybe sitting at home with a glass of red wine and actually doing your shopping online frees you up to actually spend those hours that you would have been trudging around the shops in your business as billable hours, creating more income, right? Making money instead of doing the two days you've got to go to the city, do the shopping, right? Another thing I like to do is buy the same gift for people. This is a way that I save time and stress and also like, do the best thing that I can so this year I got all my nieces and nephews pajamas last year we bought everyone board games and little bottles of alcohol to go for the parents I like batching like that I like doing the same thing for a couple of different people and that way as well I think that comes to from a space of knowing that the presents are equal 
I think I grew up in a family where my sister and I, our parents were still together and we would go to the family event where my cousins were from a separated family. So the, the day would always be catered to when they could be there. And we'd sit down and my sister and I would get one little present that we could share together. I think one year it was a book. We got a book that we could share. And I was like, where did you get this? <laughs> Not that I was ungrateful for it, but in contrast to what my cousins got, it was a stark reality. And it just, it made us feel like shit. It made us feel like we didn't matter as much. And I think my grandpa could tell we were a little bit upset. And he kind of said to me, he's like, but you have two parents who are happy together. And I'm like, I get that. But what has that told me? Like, <laughs> like I'm being punished for having parents that stayed together I don't understand and I'm say there was it was a big discrepancy I mean there was like cricket sets and and tennis bats and um volleyball nets and and clothes and lego and we my sister and I sitting here with this little book <laughs> because our parents were divorced it was an interesting situation I'm just saying for a seven-year-old to look at um and so I think that as me growing up being a auntie is that I really want to make sure there's none of those feelings that happens between my nieces and nephews. So the presents were always really equal. I know if there was ever something for a birthday or something that maybe was a little bit different, I would make sure that that was something that would happen privately. That's just my experience and what I want to do moving forward. So that's time is money too. Next tip, lists. I know, I know the enthusiast people from the wealth personality profiles listening to this are like, oh, she's going to make me get organized list. That's so fucking boring. I don't want to do this, but here's why present lists, food prep lists, to do lists, chores lists, packing lists. If you're traveling, it is easy to get super overwhelmed with everything in our heads at this time of year, the never ending to do list. And unfortunately the mental load that mothers slash women are in charge of for the festive season. I remember my dad would be in charge of getting the meat onto roast and like washing down the concrete outside um, and like washing down the furniture. And my mum would be in charge of everything else. <laughs> Present shopping, cooking, desserts, organization, setting the table, cleaning the house. And I'm just, as a kid growing up, I'm being like, oh, okay, I'm going to, I want to wash the concrete. That's way more fun. <laughs> but also like, I hear, I see what having a vagina gets you. It gets you a lot of the work. <laughs> Anyway, so when we're overwhelmed, when we're overstimulated, often we don't make great choices. One year I was so stressed out with the crowds at Woolies. I was so obvious there was noise, there was Christmas carols, there was kids running everywhere. Like all I could smell was like king prawns. Like it was just, it was an intense day. You know, Christmas music, like going to the shops is sometimes stressful enough. And then you add fucking jingle bells on top. Like it's stressful, right? I was in Woolies. I panicked and I bought three Christmas puddings. I mean, what the fuck did I need three Christmas puddings for? Needless to say, um, overwhelm equals bad choices. <laughs> without lists, without conscious choices and intention, we can overbuy, we can overcommit, and it just in general freak out. It's not very fun for everyone. So my solution over the years is lists, lists, lists. I have lists for what I want to get my kids for Christmas. I have lists for gifts. I have lists of the different dishes that I need to bring to different events. And I just brain dump it all out. Brain dumping has helped my anxiety so much before bed or anytime you're feeling overwhelmed, grab a piece of blank paper and write down every single thing in your head. It doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't have to be legible. You never have to show anyone in your entire life. Just get it out of your head, write it all down 
And then if you feel cold to, scrunch the paper up and throw it away or flush it down the toilet. When you wake up in the morning, you can sit down and then write a clear to-do list or, as I like to say it, to-manifest list. And then decide what items from that list you need help with or to delegate to someone else. So lists are key to avoiding overwhelm. When we get overwhelmed, we make bad decisions. So let's avoid the bad decisions by taking a little bit of time to prep and plan. Okay. Let go of expectations. Number one, it's okay to have expectations and it's okay to feel disappointed. I think as women, we grow up in fear of disappointing others. We grow up in fear of disappointing ourselves. So having expectations is not a bad thing, but I feel like having expectations where they stunt our experience, stunt our growth and stunt our joy is not helpful. Expectations are where disappointment grows. I bought a stunning gift for so-and-so, but she gave me a homemade books, a box of cookies in a recycled box. And I just feel really ripped off. Like I shouldn't have, I spent so much money. Sound familiar? Are you, you've either been on one side of this, I think, one or the other side of this. I've been on both. When we give gifts from a place of expectation, we are setting ourselves up for disappointment. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with disappointment, but I feel like it ends up in a messy, shameful, gross place around this time of year. And I, I know that I've lived on both sides of this and it's just, it's not fun for anyone. I did this for so many years, right? I thought they would have reacted a little bit more. Maybe they didn't like it. I sh shouldn't have spent days picking it out and I was so excited to give it to them unconsciously and like without knowing we set expectations on the other person to how they should react if they should like it if they should keep it and if it will be reciprocated but the reality is we cannot control anyone else and we certainly don't have any say in their reaction or reciprocation I remember one year I bought my mum a like a guest handbag. I just started working. I had a really good paying job and I was like, I'm going to buy my mum a beautiful designer handbag. This is back when guest was the, the brand to have. I don't think you'd even like buy Louis Vuitton in Adelaide. <laughs> so I got her a guest bag. I was so excited to give it to her. And she kind of opened it. She's like, oh, wow, you know, you shouldn't have done that. That's lovely. And then she just like rushed off into the kitchen again. And I came, I'm like, do you not, do you not like the bag? And she's like, Shona, I've got an upset tummy. I love the bag. I'm just not feeling very well. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> right? We don't have a say in their reaction or reciprocation. And we don't, you know, having that expectation of how someone should react is just going to leave us feeling really ill, right? Give a gift because you want to give a gift, not because it's going to, you know, make them smile. You know what I mean? Anyway, one way to avoid the disappointment is just to never give a single gift again. I do see people take this path. It's not the one I recommend. And it's not too fun. Instead, I now only give gifts to those who my heart truly desires to. I don't do the shoulds or the, but she's your aunt, second auntie twice removed on your dad's cousin's lawyer's side. I give meaningful, thoughtful gifts to those I care about and to those who appreciate them, right? Gift giving is not everyone's love language. Hell, even gift receiving is not most people's love language. It isn't mine. <laughs> if you've ever given me something, you would know I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I don't know how to react. I feel like you shouldn't have done this, but thank you. I'm getting better at it. I'm getting better. Unless it's French champagne. I'm always down for that. 
When we can release the expectations, you can give the gifts that you want to, to who you want to, and your Christmas is so much more enjoyable. This whole season is so much more enjoyable. Trust me on this. I know that these tips, they might not be what you would normally expect from Christmas money tips, but I honestly truly believe that these are better, that these make more of an actual difference. Because if you Google like Christmas money tips, if you start like go and Google that right now, every single one is about saving money. It's about spending less. It's from such a restrictive energy and it's all coming from this place of shame and fear and scarcity. Um, so yeah, this is what I wanted to share in contrast to all that advice out there. And I'm just not about the scarcity. I'm not about believing that there's not enough for everyone. Not about that now, not ever. So that's my festive season money tips. I think we had four all up. I would love to hear your thoughts on that, what you'll be implementing. Um, and if this has helped you feel a little bit better about the festive season, love always your neighborhood money mindset coach. And I hope you guys have an incredible Christmas. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mums Manifesting Wealth podcast series by Shoni Gates and Team Sexy Selfish. Please leave a like, comment, review and share. And don't forget to subscribe. The more you share, the more people we can impact and the more awesome free content I can create for you all. If you're wondering where to go next or have some feedback for this episode, you can hit me up on Instagram at sexy underscore selfish or visit our website, www.sexyselfish.com. We've got heaps of freebies there for you guys to check out as well. Thank you so much for listening. Have an amazing day.